What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Elevate Experience. The podcast about overcoming struggles and adversity and how that relates to addiction, recovery, and health. I am your host and the CEO of Elevate Addiction Services, Angie Manson. And I'm Dallas Terrell, co-host and life intervention counselor at Elevate. Thank you so much for joining us, and let's jump right in. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. Angie and myself are here, which is exciting, and we're joined with a special guest, Mr. Jason McLean. There we go. Jason, welcome to the show, brother. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. I I truly appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely, man. And you're coming, well, you're not coming all the way from Canada, but you are in Canada, and I think that's exciting. I don't think we've had a guest from Canada, Ange. I think you might be our first. Oh, exciting. Yeah. Exciting. I'm, yeah. Well, I feel I feel extra honored. Yeah, hey, big shoes to feel, man. There's a whole country yeah, to represent. Well, I got to set the bar high. I got to represent the whole country here. So. <laughs> oh, nice. man. Well, we were kind of talking earlier about you have a new book, and we definitely want to get into that and what the book's about and kind of dive into your story. There's a lot of moving parts that are very similar to kind of what we're doing out here in California as far as mental health and addiction and the stigma and, you know, approaching things from a different lens than maybe your standard AA 12 step diehard. Right. So we definitely want to get into that. Is there a place that you'd prefer to start Jason or. Um, yeah, well, I can just kind of start, uh, about two months ago is when I, when I launched the book. Awesome. Um, and so the book is called one drop of water and, um, it, uh, it was basically a lifetime's worth of experiences and the circumstances within those experiences um, that became uh, became the the idea of the book, and then you know the what I wrote in the book. Um, in the last two months, uh, the book has has done crazy things. Like it's been all over the hot new bestsellers in mental health. Awesome. Uh, all kinds of stuff like that on Amazon. So it's been, it's been a really, it's been a wild ride already. Um, and you know, but the most beautiful part about it for me in this short time already is how it's introducing me to all these new connections. Like the one we got right in front of us right here. You know, I, there's so many people out there that want to help other people and want to educate people to relieve stigma and to offer sort of a, you know, a new approach to the resources that are out there to better people's lives and to encourage people instead of, you know, telling people. And uh, so, you know, for me, this has just been this incredible, really cool kind of like dreamlike experience in, in the past two months. And I, and, you know, for the, for this opportunity for, with you two to be here and talking to a bunch of cool cats down in California and everywhere <laughs> else in the States, you know, it's, it's just such an exciting, you know, uh, addition onto the other, you know, wild ride of this lightning that's happening. So, but, um, you know, I wrote this book, I was given a second chance, uh, in November 19th, 2019, I, uh, attempted to take my life and, uh, I had, uh, I had been battling with depression and mental health issues severely for about two years. And I was self-medicating with tons of alcohol and painkillers and, and the odd, you know, bender with, with everything else here and there. And yeah. just, you know, it, it, and it got to a point where I was out of control and I was desperate and, um, I, I, uh, I took a gun, put it in my mouth and that was supposed to be the end. And, um, 
you know, happily, uh, that didn't work out as uh, we're talking right now. And um, with that second chance that I was given, I really wanted to, you know, I, 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 I had to rip open my life and I had to rip open myself and really introspectively look into all the things that had gotten me to that point. And uh, that's what the book's about. It's about the sort of the journey and the quest of going as back far as I could in my childhood and revisiting all these things, uh, experiences and circumstances and situations and, and really, uh, you know, investigating them, taking the feelings out of them and, and stripping it down to the bare facts of it a lot of times, uh, you know, and, and sort of decompartmentalizing these things as much as possible so that I could understand them and formulate these action plans to come back, you know, so I could come back myself and combat the triggers and, and combat the, the, all the negative influences in our environments and the ecosystems within those environments. I wanted to write a book about that. And, and so um, it's, uh, it, it's been a, it's been like writing that book was probably the hardest thing I've ever done uh, oh, because man. of my nature, you know, what? I, I my, my, the mental health things I have going on had told me a million times, don't write this book. People are going to laugh at you, man. People are going to make fun of you. People are going to call you out on all the bad things you did in your life, all this stuff. And uh, it, it was really amazing to put the, those processes that I implemented while I was learning about myself back into myself to finish this dream that I've always wanted to do, whereas write a book and then I want that book to help people. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's, it's been a, a phenomenal, phenomenal thing so far. Did you go through this whole process by yourself? This was just a self-discovery. You basically in lockdown and, and just yeah. pulling yourself through yeah. it and pushing yourself through it and then writing the book, which was sounds like very cathartic. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, we, we got pretty severe restrictions up here in Canada when COVID came through. Um, so I actually got sick about two weeks before sort of the world shut down and, and locked down and all that yeah me too so i was already away from i yeah so Same i was thing. like on a two, i was i got a two week ahead of everybody so my work it's kind of when uh, covid was starting to take off and everybody was getting real nervous and i i uh i got pneumonia like a number of times in life and get chronic bronchitis ever since i was a kid and so i got sick my work freaked out they're like you got to go isolate and then all of a sudden you know when i'm just getting excited and feeling better everything shuts down here. And it's like, it, it, yeah, you can't go anywhere. You can go to the grocery store. And of course they leave liquor stores open and uh, you know, that, right. like, which is, you know, but the like, gym is really? not open. <laughs> yeah. The gym, you can't go to the gym, but right. you can, yeah. You but can you go can buy drink to deal with the stress. Yeah. 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 Or smoke weed. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. McDonald's drive-thru is open for sure yep, too. The most sure. unhealthy stuff you can and get. the weed so, dispensaries out here. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. So I, you know, after, so, okay, I'll go back in time. So November 19th was, you know, 2019, just it was a few months before COVID came out. So I was still um, reciprocating in my mind a lot of really harsh negative thoughts. I hadn't really dealt with stuff yet. And I was still, you know, had suicidal ideation. And I was still every once in a while, you know, I, I was, you know, I'd start spinning. So I'd drink or whatever it was. And uh, all of a sudden when that isolation hit, I was punched in the face with, with 
fight or flight, right? Like it, it just, it, it, I had a choice. I was either, I was going to, I couldn't go to the gym. I couldn't distract myself. I couldn't run away from my feelings. I couldn't go hide at a, at a lounge. Like I did every night, you know, where I knew if I sat there, I dressed cool. I look cool. I talk cool. And if I, you know, on a tip, well, every waitress or bartender is going to want to be my friend and I don't have to be alone. And all of a sudden, all that was ripped away from me. And I was forced to either like, dude, you got to fight for your life here, or you're going to go right back and you're going to try and take your life. And so I honestly believe that isolation and the lockdowns, as bad as it was for a lot of people's state of mental health, mine was so poor already that it actually improved it. And, <laughs> and because I was like rock bottom, looked like a two week all-inclusive vacation in Mexico to me, right? Like I was way, I was I way past that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it, uh, it, it put me in this situation. And so one day I just, it was like, uh, my dad went into the hospital and he, he, uh, had pneumonia. And so, uh, I've always kind of been the rock of my family, even though I've been shambles, uh, myself, I could always like portray that to everybody. Right. <laughs> and so I, my sister's there because she's like in pharmacy and my dad's on so much medication that she's telling like the doctors and the nurses, you know, to keep him alive. And so I'm like texting her. I'm like, okay, I'm on my way. And she's like, you can't come here. You can't come to the hospital. A, you were sick. B, no one's allowed in here. And I'm like, oh, no, hell no. That's not how it's going to go. Like what security guard at the hospital stopping me? It's not, it's my dad, right? That's my superhero. That's not how it works. And, you know, she had to talk me down. And it was this really horrible feeling of being so helpless, right? Because all of a sudden, for the first time in my life, I couldn't go be the hero and all the kind of thing I like to be, you know, for my family. And it spun me. And uh, I ended up about the next night having a, a panic attack. Like I was hyperventilating. It felt like I had a hornet's nest ripped open in my guts, uh, freaking out. And I spinning myself in any crazy direction. You know how it goes as soon as you start thinking negative scenarios you create these universes of them and oh, like, yeah. you know, like a whole cast of characters and yeah. Vill like, yeah. So I'm out of control. And my sister, I phoned her because I wouldn't call an ambulance because all my friends are fire uh, firemen here. So they're first responders. And I was too embarrassed to have any, like my ego took over and was like, you know, you, you're going to die. But instead of that, you could call the, you know, <laughs> maybe you'll see someone, you know, and they'll, but they're going to rescue you. But my, my warped head was like, no, yeah. no, 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 no one's seeing you like this. If you're going to die, so at least look cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, Hey, I'm dying. Like, let me die. Like, yeah, some self-preservation here. Right. <laughs> and, um, my sister talked me down after about two hours. And that next morning when I woke up, I just said, that's it. It's time to fight. Like, I've been a tough guy for everyone else my whole life, but never myself. Mm -hmm. And uh, that day just changed. I, I like I flipped into like Navy SEAL mode in my mind, and uh, I just I just started getting up at like four thirty every morning, and I would go out on an empty stomach, and I would run like I made Forrest Gump look like nothing, man. I just <laughs> kept running and running. I was sprinting. I like I just. It was crazy. And I was doing this on an empty stomach. And, and every morning I started developing this game with the sunrise that I had to, there's this big path all around where I live. And it's, it goes in through, through some forests and by some water. All that's beautiful. But I had to get to a certain point on the path when the sun would come up in the morning. So the sun would be on my back. And that would be the universe telling me that I was on the right path and it had my back. And so I don't know if you know this, but in the spring, every morning, the sun gets up earlier and earlier. So I had to get up earlier, earlier, earlier. It was like this really cool challenge. Oh, shit. Yeah, it was wild. And then I just started pushing myself. Like I would fast till like 11 in the morning. But after my run, I come home and I'd meditate. 
And then I'd start writing and then I'd start, you know, reading, studying, listening, whatever I could do and, and all this crazy stuff. And I just, I just built this insane regimen that I would follow. And it, it just pushed me mentally, physically, and emotionally to the very brink of, of what I, I thought I, I could get to. And literally every day I was just breaking through and breaking through. And while doing that simultaneously is when I started just writing everything out. And then I realized that I had all this material in front of me, you know, after a few weeks, and I was like, I'm writing a book and I'm turning this into something because people can learn from this story. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty good at, at telling stories and, you know, I wanted to put it. So I started to organize all the stuff and, and uh, then every day just turned into, you know, writing, writing. And I utilized all this time that I had, you know, stuck at home to do a lot of positive things. And, um, you know, listening and learning from a lot of, uh, you know, kind of big name, inspirational, motivational people out there. Um, you, you know, a lot of the stuff that they talked about in the media was giving back. Mm -hmm. You know, you can do stuff and all this. Um, and it's kind of the difference between passion and purpose, right? Like passion, I talk about in my book and passion's great. And it leads us down a lot of journeys and, and really cool things, but it's very emotional. Whereas purpose is sort of, you know, it's, it's like this process of yourself, but it's for something bigger than you. Right. And, and uh, kind of like the story of like, you know, the, you know, planting that tree that's going to provide shade for everyone else, but you're never going to feel it kind of thing. Right. Or something like that. Yeah. And so I just, I got in the immediate, I started, this will sound funny to you. I don't know. I can't remember how long we've been friends on Facebook, but so on my Facebook and Instagram during that time, I started pumping out all these videos of me talking to one of my plants. His name's Steve He's an aloe vera plant <laughs> and I had this, these skits going with them where I would tell him all these really bad dad jokes and like try to make him laugh. And then, you know, of course it was more like, you know, the, obviously the plant's not going to laugh. I love, maybe it did, but it was more of like my antics afterwards about like not getting the laugh. And I, I just, one day I had this thing and where I just wanted to start to do this because it was a real desperate, dark time. People had no idea what was going on with this COVID shadow and all the, it, it was so inconclusive and inconsistent with what was going on. And it was stressing people out and, mm -hmm. And I just thought to myself one night, I'm going to put myself out there and start doing this and hope to get some laughs. And when I initially did it, I was thinking, you know, a few of my buddies are going to message me like, dude, did you lose your mind, man? Like, you know, <laughs> but like, thanks for the laughs. I got like over 1500 messages in the first night from people on all my different social media. To, you know, and a few of them for sure were like, wow, man, are you okay? Like, cause you know, that's kind of like the, the, the thing I was trying to portray, but so many people reached out and, and were just like, thank you. Like I needed that laugh right now, man. And like, and then it, it got, it got deep. Like I had people reaching out to me going like, I was in a bad place. I didn't know if I was going to make it through the night. And I watched this one video of you did over and over and it made me laugh more and more every time. And it got me through. And that's what really, that kind of thing is what really was the beta test for me to set up, to write this book. Like I, you know, I just, I believe so much that when you bear yourself out there and you're genuine and authentic about it, it helps people, you know, it's different when you're trying to do something and you're, and all that kind of stuff, it comes off, it's garbage. It comes off fake. And some people buy into it, you know, temporarily, but you, I, I, there's something about being genuine and authentic and vulnerable that people want to, they feel it right. And, and they hold on to it and it helps them. And, th and that's, that was what fueled my book after that. And I just went off, you know? And so 
I actually lost my job during COVID, uh, which sucked, but it was also like the biggest blessing in disguise because it was like a horrible environment and I hated working there, but I hated being alone and I liked the money, but you know, like there's oh, all yeah. these things, oh, like, yeah. everything was wrong, but I just did it because it was easy. And, and losing that job was, was such a blessing because A, it just let me write and create and do all the things I wanted to do. Um, but it just, it just allowed me to really lose everything is what I went through. I like, I had lost my car. I was like, I was down to riding a mountain bike for a little while. True story. Like, you know, I I come from a career where I was making, you know, good money before driving all the fancy stuff, all the big house, all that. And literally I became this minimal minimalist, you know, basically barely getting by riding a mountain bike everywhere. People just thought I was doing it to stay in shape. So I let them believe that I didn't yeah. care, <laughs> but it was like, you know, it's, uh, you know, I had like that, I had like that crackhead hustle going. Like I was like, I had to get somewhere. So I got on my bike and I rode there. It would take me an hour and a half and people would be like, you're crazy, man. And I'm like, well, you know, you invited me over for a swim and a barbecue. So let's do this. Right. But I, I, I was such a humbling experience and it was the best thing that could have happened to me. Like I just, that my ego was a, was a big problem for me for a long time. And I think it is for a lot of people that face addictions and face substance abuse issues and, and alcohol and turn to all those things. It's because you're not whole, right. And you have insecurities and usually the most insecure people have the biggest flex of an ego or, or false sense of confidence. Mm -hmm. And I certainly was one of them. And, uh, you know, you can't, you can't be a big ego guy anymore when you have nothing left. Right. When, you know, like you don't have all that existential stuff to show off and like, look at me now, check me out. I couldn't peacock anymore. Yeah. You know what this, so, <laughs> so, but uh, it, it, the, all those, all these things happened to me at the perfect time. You know, the universe just lined it all up for me and um, yeah, it's, it's just, it was great. And it just helped me get to that point where I could finish the book. Wow. That's amazing. I love Thank that you. story. And I love that it's been a huge success because I think you're right. Mm -hmm. That uh, was a really hard time we were all going through. And it, um, there's a lot of silver linings, I think, of what came out of it. Um, I similarly went through, you know, a pretty hard time uh, as trying to navigate this company through the pandemic and making the right decisions for the clients, for the staff, for everybody. And, uh, you know, it got it got really wearing. And so, you know, I think that's where you dig deep and get that discipline and challenge yourself. And there's so much good that comes out of that. So much joy, so much pleasure um, that people who are, are settling for comfort and ease are missing out on, I think. Yeah. And it's perspective, right? And it's and it's, you know, how we decide we want to look at things. You know, and that, that was a big changer. And I write about it in one of the early chapters in the book when I was able to believe in things and believe like as soon as I, I switch from, you know, the old mentality of, Oh, I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing to I'll believe it. And then I'll see it. And when I was able to do that, that's when the whole game changed for me. Like, and maybe it sounds cliche and whatever. Yeah. I, and I'm not a big, like, I'm, you know, my book is a self-help book for sure, but it's not written like your typical sort of self-help kind of book, you know, and cause I didn't want to be cliche. I don't want to be repetitive and regurgitate the same rhetoric as everybody out there. And I didn't want it to be sunshine and rainbows. Like this is a dark book yeah. that's got lots of humor and lots of brightness in it too. And you have to feel both of those things, but you know, perspective is everything and how we choose to see it. Right. And, and a lot of times when we're in those negative spots and when we would normally turn to booze or turn to drugs or turn to whatever we're addicted to, 
you know, shopping or sex or all those different things. Cause there's, there's a, there's a million things. Um, you know, when we return to that because of something that, you know, we were upset about or whatever, when we can learn to look at those things before we, we, you know, the trigger kicks in and see the positives, that's when everything changes, right? Like you would both be able to understand that. I'm sure, you know, like you can look at something that, yeah, this is going to suck or yeah, this is going to be a bit challenging, but you know what? I'm going to grow from it or yeah, it's going to be hard, but I'm going to get through it, you know? And, and it's just, it's all the perspective. So. Yeah, absolutely. I had a question for you too, Jason. You mentioned earlier yes. that you like always wanted to write a book. So, and then you mentioned kind of earlier the difference between passion and purpose. And I really resonated with that as far as passions are the things you're, you're seeking out where like purpose is the thing that's like seeking you out. It almost pulls yes. you into it rather than you chasing it. And, yes. and then you ended up writing this book on kind of this purpose of yours. So was there like something else you wanted to write a book about like prior to this book? Like what did that look like? Well, I, I you know what? I've always been a good creative writer uh, throughout my life. Like even when I was a kid, like I struggled in school, but I had a very good imagination. Nice. And I had a lot of learning disabilities, but I could, I could formulate these stories pretty cool. And, uh, you know, that always kind of stuck with me. And I kind of like, there are a few times when I, I wrote some books of poetry and I wrote some, I started to write a few books, but again, it would just be like, you know, like partying took over or, yeah. you know, my, my, my the, the way my mind was kind of set up was always sort of cynical and negative. So it always be like, ah, so I was a great starter, never a finisher. Right. right and right, right. and like a lot of us are. And um, yeah, you know, I've, it's something I always wanted to do. And, and a few years, probably about 10 years ago, I came out um, about mental illness where I live in the city. I was working with kids at the time, like gang kids and and all kinds of stuff and, and you know, really high risk kids. And I was kind of working as a counselor and a mentor with them. And I was doing public speaking all over the country uh, regarding stuff about like, you know, gangs and and then a few other different things like the fetal alcohol effect and, you know, related stuff with, with the kids. And, and uh, so, you know, I, I loved it. And at that time I, I wanted to, I really got a taste for that helping, you know, helping others out sort of feeling. And, and I, you know, I, I wanted to write a book then, but again, I just got caught up sort of in, in another career and that took off and then it all became about the money and everything else. And uh you know, I just, I knew it's all, it's always been in the back of my mind. It's mm -hmm. always been my, my calling. It's always been my dream to become an author and to write books that I 1 million percent with every bit of my being believe will change this world. And it's already happening. I'm talking to two people I've never met before in another country about it. My book came out two months ago. Yeah. Right. Like this would never happen if I didn't write the book. So you know, learning to gauge success different and look at these things differently is, is really important too. Like, you know, we often think, okay, well, I wrote a book, it's got to sell a million copies and Oprah's got to show it on her Instagram <laughs> and then you've made it. But I'm like, I don't think so. Like, yeah, I've already had, I get messages every day from people, you know, telling me what the book's done for them or what it did for their loved one or, or how, you know, it stopped them from when they were, you know, in a really dark place. So to me, that's changing the world, right? It's one mind at a time, uh, you know, and it coincides with the title, One Drop of Water. Yeah. Like, and I make a lot of references to a waterfall. It starts with one drop of water. 
that thing, a waterfall becomes the most powerful thing in, that provides life and all these things around it, right? But it can also become a decon, uh, like a destructive force too, like depending on what's happening with it. Oh yeah. And, and I, I make a lot of references that to that in, in the book. Um, but I, yeah, like getting back to what you said, I've always, always, always dreamt of being an author and a writer. And then my purpose, like you got exposed to me, you know, with, with what we kind of just talked about in that, in the, in the isolation and, and then here I am, boom, it's happening. And all the things I've that, you know, become sort of the dream that, that accompanies that purpose are starting to manifest and, and happen right before my eyes every day. Cool. I know you've definitely given me something to think about because for me, my passion and purpose has been the same this whole time for all these years. And I'm like, wait, are they different or are they the same? I've got to go like, <laughs> think on this one because I've always yeah, considered yeah. them one and the same, but maybe they're different. Maybe I've been, you know, I just need to look at things and, and just see what's true for me on this. Cause that's a really interesting perspective that I've never looked at. Yeah. I kind of like, and I, like similar to what you had said, like passion's kind of like the fuel of purpose, right? Like I think a lot of times it, it gets us to the things that, that line up for the purpose, you know, and, and they're both great things. Don't get me wrong. I never knock passion. Cause I think people should chase their passion all the time. Mm -hmm. Cause like I said, for me, I did the same thing and all of a sudden, boom, purpose was presented and away we go. Right. Because it's a big, it purpose. Like I said, purpose is always bigger than us. And that's, it, that's why it finds you. And then all of a sudden, if, but I believe that purpose presents itself so many times to people, but they just don't see it because they're not ready. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also really enjoy what you said about success, um, because I think we all get hung up in that rat race of defining our success by the dollar amount in our bank account or sure. as a company, our EBITDA, you know, what's our value? What are we worth? What's this monetarily? And it actually doesn't define success at all. Success is, you know, what's what are you contributing and what's the effect of that? So I really like how you, you define that as well, because that's something I've really been looking at lately as well, as far as personal success, my company's success, you know, elevate success and what that means. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. So Jason, you mentioned, right. You, you had that episode or that experience, I think November of 2019. And you mentioned right. kind of using drugs and boozing or being on a bender, if I'm hearing that correctly. And, and then yeah. so now there's been some time between all that and, and you still mentioned not using drugs and alcohol. Right. Did that play like a huge role in in getting to the point where you got at mentally in, in that November? And, and why do you still choose not to use them? Yeah, so um, afterwards I still was here and there a little bit. Gotcha. And uh, uh, for a bit. And then when I got really serious, um, you know what? I was blessed. Um, I met a girl and, nice. uh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> we, we had been chatting for a while and she doesn't drink and, uh, she's a complete sweetheart. And, uh, you know, one of those people that comes into your life because, um, you're, I believe getting rewarded for everything that you're doing well and good. And so she doesn't drink. And so it just, and she's never once ever asked me not to drink or yeah. any of that kind of stuff. So, but she just kind of like an angel glided right into my life. And, you know, I just instantly lost the desire to do so. Um, partially, I think in the beginning out of respect to her, but you know, as time went on, it was just more and more like 
clarity, right? And, and focus and stability, you know, like when you're waking up hungover and you're, you're, you slept in and you feel like a, you know, a bag of garbage, and then you got to put a suit on and run into a meeting, you know, and your eyes are still crossed and whatever else. <laughs> Makes it's things no harder. Like I don't, I don't care how good of an actor you are. You can't pull that off all the time. You know, I tried for a long time, and so it, it just, um, it just was this like slow creeper of this really cool, healthy, um, organic flow that I was inspired by her. You know, and without her ever trying to inspire me to do so. And that's why it worked is really, it's, it's really cool. So I give her credit for all the time. She'll never take it, but um, so, yeah. And it just, it's just come down to now. Like I just don't need it. Like it does nothing for me yeah. uh, at all. And uh, I like getting up and feeling fresh and uh, you know, my eyes not being crossed or bloodshot and, uh, and be able to focus and being, and I just, from, you know, so I've battled depression my entire life and I was born with some brain damage and, and, if, and had some challenges for sure up, uh, you know, upstairs. So to be able to not have that instability that can come from obviously the depressive side of using alcohol and, and drugs, and then, you know, the after effects and all that is, has been just like, it's been a wondrous, you know, wondrous thing. Like it's, it's night and day. Right. On. Yeah. So, wow. Man. And I just, it, yeah. And so now it's like, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's just nothing. There's no, you know, it's, you know, like I had mentioned earlier, like when I, I tried throughout my life, a lot of times to stop drinking and doing drugs, you know, and I went with the traditional ways a lot of times. And I went into like a, you know, like a, to a rehab one time. And I, you know, I went to AA and mm -hmm. I went to, you know, all the different sort of things like that. And I just, it was really easy for me to find all the things wrong with it. So maybe I wasn't ready. Maybe my mind wasn't open to it. Maybe I was there because I, whatever I was there, the wrong reasons, but I was still there. And so there's some right reasons for that too. Um, but I just, you know, I just found that, you know, going everything that I'd gone through and being able to go back and sort of strip down all the things that would cause me to want to go and drink heavy or be out it all came down to like, I was more addicted to being around people socially than the actual get, drinking part of it. It was just, that was the thing I had to do a lot of times to like stay somewhere, right? Like you can't just sit there and drink water. You know, I can't, I can't order six meals. I could try, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? But it's like, so, you know, let's have another drink, have another drink, chat, chat. Oh, I make some friends. Hey, I'll buy you guys drinks. You're going to talk to me. Like, okay, cool. Like now I have some, I'm getting validated for all my stories. I'm telling people that I don't know. I'm like, all my best friends are people I just met at a bar top. Right. So that's what I got addicted to because uh, the fact that I didn't want to deal with being alone at home soon. Like I was yeah. this really big, cool guy where I'm from and I'm pretty well known here. Um, and so everywhere I went, I was dressed really sharp and all this, and I was, you know, and then when I went home, I was a scared little tiny boy that I've never grown up from mm -hmm. because I was alone and I couldn't deal with my feelings and I was terrible like terrorized by my own thoughts, yeah. you know? So, uh, and now I don't have any of that. It just doesn't, it just doesn't happen. Right. Because of being just clear minded and, and making that choice. Wow. What powerful insight too, man. Like, uh, just kind of being able to recall all that and just like the wisdom and the awareness in, in, in kind of just that quick little story. There's so much in there and, you know, it, it sounds kind of like just your values changed, you know, you started to value yeah. the stability of the mind and, and you knew that when 
your mind was clear, like the, the actions you were taking worked, you know, but yeah, when you enhance Absolutely. it or, you know, deregulate it with drugs and alcohol, it's, it's harder. It's, it's harder to deal with. And, and kind of like you said too, with the already existing depression and, you know, maybe some brain damage, like you said, why yeah. add more layers, you know, to something that's already yeah. difficult? <laughs> yeah, it's already complicated up there. I don't know why for so long, so many years, I was making it even more complicated, you know, it's, it's like a maze up there. I still haven't figured out the whole thing yet, you know, and, uh, you know, well, I think just, that's yeah, the trick is it's, it's, we're just trying to numb it out, you know, shut so it up, shut yeah. it up for a little while, oh, yeah. not figure out the maze, just detach for a bit. Yep. At least that's why yeah, a lot absolutely. of people do that. You know, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, on the, it's, to, like you said, it, the, the huge shut off thing was a big thing for me too, right? Like just the thoughts and being a, like, you know, at night when I would come home and then start, you know, thinking and it was, you know, the, the wheels are spinning and spinning out of control. Well, you know, it was, it was when you're not focused, you're not clear and you're not ready to look at that stuff properly. It's way easier to just pick some, a bottle up or take some pills or whatever and, and, and hope for the best. And I was guilty of that for a long time. And, uh, you know, it just, it's so counterproductive. Like it's just, it's so, <laughs> it's so counterproductive and it's so celebrated at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. Like you look everywhere and they, you know, I, I, I got nothing against people that drink and do their thing. Like, I don't care, you know, that's your choice. And unless it's really negatively affecting something like the relationship or our relationship or whatever, then I'm, I'm the kind I'm that friend that says, the, says the real deal, right? Like, I don't care if it hurts their feelings uh, I've been, uh, I've been said that I have candor is a polite way of, of the way I communicate. So uh, <laughs> I tell it like it is, you know, yeah, and direct. I respect that someone I would be, yeah, call, I call that person out just like I would expect to be called out in uh, that. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's gotta be tough for a lot of people because, you know, you know, trying to get sober, trying to stay off drugs and all this stuff. And you look at just the way it's so glamorized continuously um and so readily i mean there's more liquor stores there's more prescription drugs and 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 now like just any kind of drug available more than ever right and more people are addicted to stuff and people are, are you know having babies while they're drinking or doing drugs and they're being born chemically dependent to different things and that sets off a whole chain reaction of uh, of things so it's uh it, it's tough and i i totally applaud anybody that is fighting right now um, that hasn't given up, you know, I, I almost gave up there. I, I did give up. I just, it didn't happen. And, um, you, you know, I, I don't let that deter me from my, from my purpose or from my goals, but, um, you know, I write about that in the book too, um, in a chapter called rear view mirror, rear view mirror, pardon me. Um, you know, about looking back, right. It's about like hindsight and it's about looking at all these different things and, and uh, whether we choose to learn from them or we choose to hold them as something that holds us uh, down, right? Like, because that's what we often chain ourselves to our past and stay, you know, inside sort of an invisible prison cell that isn't even locked. We could just walk out of it at any time. And we are the ones that design and architect that cell by, you know, holding on to things that, uh, that hurt us because uh, we get addicted almost to the shame or the guilt or to the, that negative feeling, you know, the negative hormones and different productions in our brain also get addicted to it chemically uh, in that. So, you know, anyone fighting that right now 
and, and, and thinking of giving up or, or, you know, whatever. I just, I, I just pray that you don't, you know, and, uh, to everyone, it's a, it's a lot of times it's a silent struggle. We try to hide it from people. I did. My best friends had no idea. I mean, they had some ideas. I had, I had reverted, uh, socially quite a bit before I had tried to take my life. Um, but you know, most people had no idea, you know, I very good actor and a lot of us are, we're very good at trying to hide and mask our feelings and, and all the things that, uh, that we're doing that we shouldn't be. Right. So. Jason, my question is, and, and this is something else that we have a lot in common and, uh, I'm, I'm so interested in seeing how this all ties into everything. Tell me about the animals. How is this all <laughs> part of your life, well, been part of your life, been part of your book? Um, yeah, that's a that's a great question. And I'm so happy you asked it. Yeah. So <laughs> I thought um, you'd never ask. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, it's just, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, first and foremost, uh, my father raising me instilled such a love of animals and nature. You know, um, my my father was an alcoholic and um and a biker and, and all kinds of wild stuff. And he got sober when I was 11 years old awesome. and life changed dramatically. Then, uh, he, uh, amazing man. I love him to death. He's my superhero, my best friend still. And, uh, but even when we were, you know, when I was young, I like, I, they went through a pretty harsh divorce and separation and custody battles. And I was living with grandparents, parents here, there, everywhere. My dad still always took the time to draw with me. And, you know, we started with sharks and dinosaurs and all the cool stuff and lizards. And so I've always kind of grown up loving all the animals that most people don't. Right. So I've been like this shark guy since I was a kid. I live right in the middle of Canada, which is the prairies. Like we have giant lakes here, but there's no sharks. And I'm, I'm literally <laughs> in farthest, like right in the middle between two oceans. I, my dream was to be a marine biologist and, uh, you know, doing that in, <laughs> in the dead center of like the, of a landmass is pretty impossible. But, um, but so I've always had this instillment of nature and I talk about it tons in the book. One of the best things I do, like I don't meditate traditionally, like where I just sit there and like count my breath or try to clear my mind. I get out in nature. I don't care if it's, we got real cold here, just so I'm sure you've heard the rumors of Canada. So I'm going to set a few straight real quick right now. <laughs> Let's hear them. It gets, we get colder than Mars here at times. Wow. True story. Okay. Holy like for real. Yeah, it's is like, like negative what? Well, like, uh, well, for us, it goes to a minus with the windshield minus 50. Dude. Yeah. It's like yeah, that. Yeah. It's you, you both would die here in the first 10 minutes. You'd be like, <laughs> But uh, no, it's not quite that bad, but it gets really, it gets really cold. It's, it's been milder the last few years for sure with all that's going on in the world. But uh, like us in Siberia, the two coldest habited cities on the planet. So it's like freezing cold here and our summers are like 35 above and hot. Wow. So it's like this humid continental climate zone, super extreme climates. Um, so, but even in the winter, which it's, it is now here. Um, I go out and I'll go out in the cold. I'll just dress for it. And I will sit in the middle of a, you know, a bush or a forest or wherever I can. And that's where I really connect with nature and I can meditate. I can just calm myself and I feel everything. And I listen to the birds, uh, before they freeze to death and hit the snow, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just not, you know, they've adapted. They've adapted. Oh, yeah. Yeah, That's about so, to be real sad uh, but about say that. in the spring, you know, I'll go out there and I'll listen to the all the frogs chirping and all the choirs, you know, of the bugs and everything. And I find that the most soothing and relaxing thing. But 
throughout the book, there's, for instance, one of the chapters called Catching Frogs. And so as a kid, that was my favorite thing to do, right? I used to love going out to the different like ponds and lakes and swamps and whatever around here. And I go catch frogs. And uh, like, I was obsessed with it. I was in, in one of the, probably the world's best frog hunters uh, <laughs> there ever has been. Um, and yeah, that's a challenge to anyone out there that is listening. If they want to, and they I assume you go catch and release, right? You're, you're not off yeah. eating the frog legs or anything you're catching releasing. Oh yeah. I would never, never eat a frog. No, okay. no, never. So I'd always catch them. And when I was a kid, they were like my friends. I talked to them and I named them all and I love to draw. So I draw them, I draw sketches of them all and kind of like, I'd categorize them. And like, I was, I was like, I had this really crazy mind where I couldn't do like what normal kids could do in school, but I could memorize an encyclopedia kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and all this wild stuff. So I had like this crazy system where I draw the frogs out, name them and chart them. And like, this is what I was like in grade two or three kind of stuff. Like, wow. you know, so they're like, Hey, we don't get quite get this kid. Is he like, <laughs> Mm, or is he a genius? So yeah, yeah, um, it's one of the two. Yeah, or both. Yeah, we don't know. Nobody still knows. No one's still told me yet. But uh, so, like in catching frogs, I, I I start the chapter by talking about the frog hunting experience, and I go there's there's like there's only there's about five or six species of frogs native to where I live, so I talk about them in depth, and then I talk about my life story about around that time, and then I tie in all the sort of nuances and the references of catching frogs into a life lesson about what I went through and tie it all into what I'm doing now with it. And, uh, but throughout the, you know, the book, I make references to hammerhead sharks, to, to, you know, wolverines, to just all kinds of animals. Cause I just, I love nature and I love animals and, you know, we're an animal, right? Like, and so we're, we have, we share so much with animals in different ways. So I make a lot of references to that. And as well, uh, it's, uh, I, you know, simultaneously, I, I made a lot of references to feeling like a trapped animal, like in a cage. I wanted to run wild and free, but really I had been, I had trained myself so long to stay inside my cage. The door was wide open. I just had to run out and be free, but I, I never, you know, because of years of hardwiring my brain into believing I could never get out there or I deserve to be out there. I never went out there. And and in that process of, of finding my purpose is when I just ran wild and free and I just did it. And that's and, and and so there's there's a ton of stuff about that. And when I was a kid, I was going through all kinds of uh, some pretty bad stuff. Like uh, in grade six, I wasn't allowed out of recess or yeah, sorry, grade six. I wasn't allowed out of recess or out of lunch. I got an altercation with a kid uh, during a gym class and I pulled some scissors on him and tried to stab him kind of thing. I was going through all kinds of stuff and had some like, you know, really bad anger issues. When I was a kid, I didn't know how to control myself. So uh, originally I was supposed to be expelled and done, and but they brought me back in. And so my desk was set up in the principal's or the guidance counselor's lounge. And I had like, you know, psychotherapists and child psychologists and guidance, like Everything, everybody trying yeah. to figure me out. And, and, you know, I, I just, I got really smart and I just started like memorizing <laughs> my dad's psychology books and sociology books from university and reading them. And then I just sit there and like mock these <laughs> textbooks that were talking to me basically. And they're just like, like they hated me. And like, I, you know, so I just trying to make them like not be able to deal with me. And then this one dude came along, his name is John Smith. And that's a true story. That's his, and that's why I say his name. Cause it's, you'll never find him. Never find him. Yeah. He's yeah, anonymous. 10 million John Smiths, right? 1,000 John Smiths. But he was this really cool dude that, uh, 
came in and he kind of looked like Ned Flanders from the Simpsons and talk like him. But you know, I was really into comic books back when I was a kid. And all he'd do is talk to me about like, you know, Marvel comics. I love the X-Men. So he'd be like, you know, what do you relate to about this? And then he found out I loved animals and he started to get me out of the school and he took me like to the zoos, took me to the university where I'd go to the zoology and biology departments and talk to like professors and like all this really cool stuff. And he was a, he was a trickster because what he was really doing was taking me out of like the, you know, the sort of microscope that I was under into these environments where I would open up to him because we'd be talking about all this really cool stuff. And then every once in a while, he'd be like, okay, so tell me about this animal, how it lives. And like, so how do you relate to that animal? And then I'd be like, oh, well, like this. And I'd, I'd go into everything, right? And that, that guy was tricking me the whole time. I'm still mad at you, John Smith, if you're listening ever you hear this, because he got me to, he got me to spill the beans on everything. He was very, very crafty. And in my book, I actually, I, I congratulate him because I, he was one of the ones that could, uh, that debacled the mastermind that I thought I had. Um, but he cared. And that was the difference. And he was in my corner. And uh, that in this chapter that I'm talking about, it's called uh, the guinea pig, but I, I, I call it in... Uh, um, Porcia Casalis, which I, or I probably said it wrong, but in Latin is guinea pig. Hmm. And, uh, there came to the point where he got these tests set up and wanted me to do like IQ testing because of, you know, that sort of thing I was talking about. He's like, this, this guy's crazy. He put mazes in front of me and I go done. And he's like, you can't do them that fast, but I just had my brain would look at it and I knew it. And so we did this IQ test. And uh, I, go, I, I, I was in grade six at the time, and I scored higher than university students. Mm. And so my, everyone thought I cheated. And I'm like, I don't know how you cheat on an on a IQ test. But regardless, <laughs> uh, yeah, so they, I got really upset and really angry. And I focused all that anger. They got me to do a retest. And um, the, the psych, child psychiatrist that, or psychologist that I was seeing then actually gave me an adult test. And I scored even higher on that one. Damn. And then so now their minds are like, and and now this is like the experiments on the guinea pig begin, right? Like because now all of a sudden, like, wait a minute, this this kid might be a genius, you know? Yeah. But I can't add, I can't do basic math, and I can't I can't sit in the classroom for two minutes without going crazy, you know what I mean? Like I can't focus, I can't keep control myself. But they're like they didn't care about any of that. They just now thought, okay, well maybe he's, you know, so they're like, well maybe we'll put him into grade eight, or you know, he's gonna be Doogie Hauser or something right but i just i unfortunately i had the, all these behavioral issues that really combated that and i couldn't i couldn't go anywhere with i couldn't handle my own intellect right yeah. so but uh but yeah back to the animal ref references there's there's a million throughout the book um and uh yeah i just you know i just i think nature is is this beautiful moving piece of art you know biodiversity is is beautiful biology can be ruthless and it can be the most beautiful thing in the same breath. Right. So it's, uh, I just, I believe it's, it's there for a purpose. And instead of destroying it, I think we should be, we should be embracing it and enhancing it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what it's there for, for us. Right. So, wow. There's a lot, there's a lot in there, Jason, but I think I'll go with what's on the surface right now for me. And it's kind of like nature's uh, beautiful and brutal, but at least it's like true, you know, mm -hmm. like yeah. it's real and we kind of respect yeah. that. Like it's, it's both, but it's real. And it's like, it's not manipulated. There's no sugar coating nope. that things live and things die, you know, and that that's it's right. beautiful and brutal. And I think we kind of yeah. relate to that, you know, cause life's the yeah. same way. 
Yeah, absolutely. Same for us. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's very true, right? Like life's unpredictable, just like nature is. And uh, life doesn't really care whether you're happy, sad, doing great or good. And life is moves in one direction and it's up to us to- yeah, With or without you. Yeah. With, exactly, right? <laughs> it's it, like, like they're saying, life passes you by. And it, it will do that anytime you wanna sit on your ass and sit still and not make progress. See you later. That's life's already gone. And you know, you can, you can try and catch up to it your entire life. Like most of us do, or you can get ahead of it. Right. And the only way you can get ahead of it is by looking at yourself and, and looking at the reality and the truth of your own nature and your own ecosystems and your own environment. And when you can change those to positive things, you can stay ahead of, of, you know, you're not running behind life trying to catch up to it. You're actually in front of it. Right. So. Are you a vegetarian? Am I? No, no. Uh, you know, I've. Oh, he doesn't like animals that I, much. I, I, I struggle because I love animals too, but I love meat. I and do, so it's, for I know, me, I have to know, disconnect. I, yeah. I, you know, and then every time I watch like a documentary that like rocks my mind about like, like that's whatever it. animal. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, I'm off it. I'm off it. No. And yep. it, oh, I, you know, I, I, I eat pretty, I, I'll be honest. Like I, people don't like me that know me because. I'm pretty jacked and ripped and, and not to sound arrogant or cocky, but just in, in the, in this, um, in this reference, but I eat cake, I eat chocolate bars, cookies. I eat, I eat like a nine-year-old, like I eat everything. <laughs> and, uh, I just, I love food and I, you know what? I just, I, I really, you know, like vegans that do it for the right reasons, uh, in my opinion, are, are powerful if, and they're peaceful about it. Uh, I don't like when people, you know, are pushing everything on people and whatever, you know, like the same thing with recovery, the same thing with what I'm doing. Like, and that's what the way I wrote my book is it's encouraging and supportive and it gives you the opportunity to go, okay, I want to do that. Um, you know, so I admire like, uh, like I have vegan friends that are like that and, and, and what they're doing. It's amazing. Uh, I, I know I shouldn't eat meat. I know it's a battle I have all the time. So I, I sometimes I try to like, you know, uh, sugarcoat it to myself. I'm like, hey, I only do fish. And, you know, and then it's like, but fish is still an animal, you know? And then so I struggle with it all the time. It's a tough one. Yeah, I definitely struggle because I, 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 every diet that's successful for me is very high protein. And um, I'm just a huge meat eater, but I have to disconnect because I love animals so much and I can't think of those eyes looking at me. But, you know, right. I've gone the route of organic, pasture-raised, you know, that you know they were treated Perfect. humanely, so I really, like, yeah. they are. Yeah. That's what they told me, darn it. Yes. I'm paying that extra money for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they paid an extra million dollars to put that on the label for yeah, you. Yeah, you know, they no put blankets on them at night and feed them really good food sure. and take Exercise. care of them. Yeah. The mind is a funny thing, you know? The mind is a funny thing. I yeah. think the psychology of it is funny where, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't say, Hey, we're eating a, a, a cow patty. We say we're eating beef, you know, we don't say we're eating pig, we're eating pork, you know? Yeah. And it's like chicken's chicken. Chicken is chicken. That, that is true. That is true. Yeah. But yeah. like back in the day, you know, they used to call uh lamb mutton. We're eating mutton, you know? And it's yeah. like, we eat, we started it years ago where we just wanted to avoid what we were actually doing and it's like dude we're if you're gonna yeah. eat meat own it you know we're, we're eating meat dude and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that well, you know it's part of it's part of our primordial primordial sort of instincts right like as hunter gatherers i mean we ate 
we hunted animals. We ate a lot of other stuff. We ate vegetables and all that. And, uh, you know, seeds and nuts and berries and all the good stuff. And, um, yeah, I don't know if I'm trying to justify it right now <laughs> with, with, with some ancient DNA in my brain, but yeah, I don't know, man. Like a good cheeseburger is hard, hard to say no to some days. It right? really so, is. That is the truth. Well, I'm super yeah. jealous that you get to eat cake and eat like that and maintain your body. <laughs> yeah. I certainly Cheers can't. Cheers to us, Jason. Cheers <laughs> yeah, to yeah, us. This guy, yeah. his metabolism oh, is crazy. Okay, I, I can't get away with any of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, man. Well, I, you know, I do push myself. Like, I mean, I, I'm always moving. I'm always grooving. I'm always shaking. I'm always baking, right? I'm so I'm always in the gym, always doing stuff. Um, but, you know, I've been, I think, pretty blessed with the metabolism or maybe it's 30 years of, of the way I've been working out to train my body just yep. to take it all in. I don't know. I, I can't sit still either, right? So my body, I think I'm just always burning burning calories no matter what I do. Even mentally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you if know, I could, I, I would be so, doing sure. it. I love all that stuff. I just, uh, it, it doesn't, I don't have that metabolism. So, but I, yeah, yeah I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Well, I'll, I'll eat, t- I'll eat double for you tonight. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Have some ice cream too, you're please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I plan on it. Okay. Good stuff. <laughs> I, <plan on> it. <laughs> I know my fiance always is like, dude, one day you're going to get fat and I can't wait. And I was like, Hey, that's yeah. like, that's kind of like not that cool of you, you know, to like want me yeah. to get fat so that you feel better because you can't. So you can finally like go, see? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like really yeah. wants to make me wrong about it, you know? And yeah. I, I don't know if it's because I work out a lot too or I just have a good metabolism or whatever, but yeah. I don't look into it too much. It just is what it is, you know? It's what it yeah. is. Yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah. It ain't a shitty thing. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> So how did fitness play a role in, you know, I mean, obviously it's been a huge thing in your life, you know, for the, for the audience that are listening, he is jacked. I don't know if he's ripped, but he's definitely jacked. I can see his traps from the camera and they're very big. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get those traps from walking. Uh, (laughs) No. Or mountain biking or Or, riding a bike. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Or mountain biking, dude, or writing a, writing a book. But I did kind of want to check in with that and see you know, what role it played in your life, but then what role has it played in kind of this newer life of yours? And absolutely. So throughout my life, uh, I think that what's kept me, uh, sane has always been the gym. Like it's the gym's always been my best friend. The gym didn't care if I came in there in a bad mood, good mood, poor, rich, as long as I was there, that gym was my best friend. And so that, that, you know, I've always laid on it heavy, to keep, keep me, keep my level of sanity, right? Like I just, you know, working out is so good for you physically, but it's also so good for you mentally and emotionally. And I'll get into that in the second part of the answer to your second question, the second question. But so I've always, you know, I've always been in kickboxing and, and, and different martial arts and, and, and all types of, of weight training and all that kind of stuff. And I talk about my book, like when I was young, I'd use steroids like crazy. I was addicted to them. And I was, a, I was a monster. Like I'm pretty, you know, I look all right for an old guy now, but like when I was, you know, in my late twenties, early thirties, I was like a freak, you know, and, and, uh, but it was all, it was all armor, you know, like I was a big tattooed, uh, set of armor because I wanted to scare everyone away from the little kid that was really trapped inside that big body. Right. Right. And I, it took me a long time to realize that. And I, I write about it in, in, in the book. Um, but on, on the second part of things, like there's a chapter in, in the book called the cerebral samurai. And in that book, I talk about mental self-defense, mental uh, brain fitness, and then physical fitness and and the correlation between the three. They're like a symbiotic relationship. And so 
what, what I really wanted to share with people, what became really successful for me is this, is that when you get up in the morning and you push yourself to do something physically you don't want to do, you are basically exploding a beautiful cocktail of chemicals in your mind of oxytocin, serotonin, all the feel good sort of stuff, dopamines, all that kind of stuff. And what it's doing is you get that sense of accomplishment because you've worked out, you went for your walk, you did your yoga or whatever it is. It doesn't have to be going to the gym and being crazy, but whatever that is for every person, I encourage people to work out first thing because it sets that your mind up and your brain up when you're, when your brain is healthy and all those chemicals are balanced, all of a sudden now your mind, which is your thoughts, your emotions, your feelings, and sort of the atmosphere and the, the, the universe of that, you could say, when your brain's acting healthy, it's way easier to regulate your thoughts, right? And so when you do something physical, when you work out hard and you push your limits, you get a sense of accomplishment, like just getting to the gym or whether it's, I'm going to go for a 20 minute walk. And you do that when you, when you reach that physical goal, it has, it reaps benefits and rewards in your brain and in your mind, right? And so it sets you up for the rest of the day to do things. But if you can push yourself with exercise rigorously in the morning, you set your metabolism off for like 10, 11 hours to be doing what it does best, right? And, and utilizing and optimizing everything you put into it as fuel, you know, for, for really good things, but also so does the brain. And so in that chapter, the cerebral samurai, um, what's really important is when all of a sudden the brain as an organ, which is separate from the mind is functioning properly because your chemical levels are more balanced and, 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 and topped up. Um, now you can look at the mental side of things. And so here, the statistic that's really cool is we think about an average, you know, somewhere between anywhere from like 20,000 to like 75,000 thoughts a day. Wow. 90% of those <clears throat> thoughts are the exact same thoughts as the day before. Just think about that for a sec. So say we did 70,000 thoughts, 63,000 of those thoughts are the identical thoughts you thought the day before. Mm -hmm. Trace that back in your life. Right. Like you're going back a decade and you're probably moving 20 percent back, 30 percent back. So we get really comfortable and addicted in our brains to thinking the same things over and over again. You know, it's really easy to wake up and start the same negative thought process every day. You know, oh, my life sucks or it's too cold or, I, you know, I hate my job. And you start spinning in that negative hardwiring. So when we push ourselves and we get past that like i wake up every day uh and i'm happy like i smile i try to get you know get moving dancing around like an idiot just fun stuff like you know to to psych myself up and and you know my girlfriend thinks i'm crazy i'll start screaming at myself in the mirror you know <laughs> chanting and cheering myself on she's like what the you know she's doing it now too so it seems to be working but there we um, go <laughs> yeah but Can't beat them join them <laughs> that's right yeah exactly and so but the mental self-defense part of what I talk about in this chapter comes in. I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, Bushido. Bushido is, is sort of the philosophy behind samurai. Yeah. And it's like this mindset and it's about like seven principles, stuff like respect, benevolence, loyalty, honor. And, all. and so I took that approach to your thoughts. And so when our brains are working better because we're physically better, like mental health is just like physical health. Everybody has a level of it, right? You can improve your level of physical health, just like you can improve your level of mental health. If you have poor physical health, you get sick, you get illness. You have poor mental health, you get sick, you get illness, same sort of thing. And, you know, using and abusing different substances is going to get you sick. 
right? You know, physically and mentally. So uh, to combat all that, getting up doing exercises does this great thing for the brain, but then it puts us into this state where we can sort of look at changing our thoughts. How do you change your thoughts? Well, you got to change your routines. You got to change your habits. So that's why I say to people, everybody, nobody wants to get out of bed and work out first thing. Nobody does. It sucks. I hate doing it. But once you do it, you feel amazing. You're jacked up for the day. You feel like you could fight an army. You could, you know, run faster than a cheetah and you could, you could write a book, whatever you could, you could do whatever you want to do. And, and so when you're in that state is when we can start to rewire our brains and look at our thoughts and start to go like, Hey, it's okay that I'm thinking these thoughts. I'm going to honor this thought, but it doesn't mean I have to let it affect me, you know? And by using these seven different principles of, of Bushido in that chapter, you know, it's about respecting that thought, honoring that thought, but then it's about like deflecting that thought, right? And saying like, I don't need this thought. It doesn't, it doesn't serve a purpose for me and, and that. And then when we can start to do that, we rewire our brain so we're not thinking the same sort of things. And that is where it gets, it gets real cool because you start to feel that power that comes from the body and the mind and the, and the symbiotic relationship mm -hmm. between the two. And when you're firing those on both cylinders full throttle, that's when the big changes happen. And that's when dreams happen. And that's when purpose happens. And that's when people around you feel it. And you have this like aura of power and peace and people all of a sudden, you know, they walk up to you and you got like this force field on you. are like, I hate my life. And then it's just like, doesn't even get to you. Right. Yeah. You're just like, you know what? I I'm having an amazing day. How about I get you a coffee? And all of a sudden they're like, Oh, I like coffee. And then they switch because you switched. Right. And whereas before you might've been like, yeah, let's sit over here and have a pity party and talk about how much life sucks. Whereas that, that shit doesn't even get to me anymore. Right. Because I have this, just like around me, you know, and don't get me wrong. Of course I have my moments. I have my days. It's tough and whatever, but exercise physical is great, but exercising your mind by learning new things, painting, being creative, writing, uh, learning a new language, trying things you've never done before, whatever it is cooking. I don't care. There's a million things on YouTube. You can try to figure out, you know, and, and do, you know, I like, I didn't know how to, I didn't know anything about plumbing. Now I think I'm like, probably a horrible plumber, but I still can do basic stuff now because I've just something I wanted to learn, you know, but those little tiny things you take in and you challenge your brain in a new way. Uh, it's like doing weights in the gym for your body. Right. Yep. So I'm a huge, 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 huge uh, advocate for physical exercise for, for your, for, you know, strengthening the mind. And, and then that leads to your emotions. When you have control of your thoughts, that means you have control of your emotions. And when you can control your emotions, you can change your habits. And that's the biggest thing, right? Habits are emotionally driven, right? We get, we, we do the same thing because it's comfortable or we like how we feel in that little tiny habit. When we bust out of that stuff, that's when the big stuff happens, right? Yeah, great answer, man. I mean, that's that's, that's huge. I think there's there's so much there. I know we, we talk, Angie and myself, a lot about fitness. I'm not sure if you know, we have uh, a CrossFit gym at, our treatment center. So fitness oh, is a huge piece of the pie here at uh, Elevate for every reason you just mentioned, you know, and, and yeah. then some, obviously there's a lot of benefit on just like the physical side of kicking drugs yep. and alcohol and being malnourished and creating, you know. creating a new, a new routine too, right? That's healthy. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, sense of community when they get out, you know, I think kind of yep. the, the standard gym, at least, you know, in my experience is Gold's Gym, headphones, you know, nowadays, I haven't been to Gold's Gym in forever, but 
people are telling me everyone's on Instagram. Everyone's filming their set of yeah, yeah. peck flies at, you know, 20 pounds or whatever it may be. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. the cool thing about, you know, the CrossFit piece for, for at least our realm is that they get to leave with like this sense of community where you go to the CrossFit gym and, and no one's got headphones on and everyone's there to chit chat and, you know, yeah, have yeah, a hard yeah. workout and get better. And so that piece is, is huge too. But, you know, yeah. I just, I loved everything that you said. And I think our audience will be stoked on all of that, you know, cool. almost like reassurance. <laughs> like we're not, yeah, well, full it, shit. It, it works too. And you know what, if you're, if you're digging in hard on a workout program, you know, you know, you got that the next morning. It's it, that might be that one thing, that one night where you feel like, you know, okay, I haven't had a drink in a long time and your friends are all going somewhere and you might be like, you know, no, no, I'm not going to go. Cause like, you know, I'm part like when you have that team aspect or that sort of that social camaraderie that CrossFit does, you know what, you don't want to let people down you and you want to be a part of it. And, and I think it's a great thing because it teaches people that they got something more important you know, than feeling like shit the next morning or whatever. Right. Because you can't go, no one can have a good workout hung over. I don't care how, how tough you are, or how, how long you've been doing it. You know, it, it doesn't, doesn't work, work like, like that. that yeah. right? It doesn't work like that. No. <laughs> so I think, I think that's an amazing thing you're doing there. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, and it's like what you were talking about too. It just uh, getting all those good feelings, oxytocin, serotonin, it just gets everything working properly again, which yeah. for anybody who's been using or drinking for a really long time, nothing, there's, those wires aren't firing correctly. And this sort well, of gets those firing quick, correctly quickly, as opposed to yeah. like this natural healing, which, you know, we're all about that, but this kind of jumpstarts that so that they are getting those feelings like right away. Oh yeah. It's fire. It's like firing new lightning bolts in the brain, right? Like yeah. all the neural activity. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, cool. I am a terrible morning workout person. Maybe that's what I'm doing wrong with my metabolism. Maybe I should start working <laughs> out in the morning and it'll, it'll change things, but boy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it, it's tough to do. It is, but I'll tell you, it's uh, it's a game changer. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. One thing I was I was thinking about, Jason, that was super interesting, and I'll see if I can tie this all together. But was the the thought statistic you brought up? Um, yeah. You know, I, I I know that that's true, just from kind of my own experience. But then we've done a lot of podcasts, and there's been a lot of situations where we've talked to people that have had kind of just like these light bulb moments, and a lot like yours, where you know you mentioned the hospital situation with your dad, and then you kind of flip that Navy SEAL switch. And yeah. I can think of another person we recently talked to, Drew Sanchez, and he kind of had this moment just like that where all of a sudden this light uh, light switch flipped and he you know, went on a diet, went back to the gym, got sober, stopped drinking, joined a church, got a new job, like all in like the same hour, you know? <laughs> sure. And it makes me think that they're, you know, like the the situation or the stimulus almost makes 70,000 new thoughts like that day. And it's, yeah. it's kind of crazy what we can do if we did have 70,000 new thoughts. And I think you're kind of an example of that. And Drew was an example of that. And I felt that way when I got sober, when I had the yeah. thought of what if I didn't need drugs to live life? Boom, 70,000 thoughts showed yeah. up in new ways to learn and live and be and feel just fucking landed yeah. on my lap. Amazing. Yeah. So I was just, I was yeah. thinking about all that when you said that. And I was like, yeah, cool. Damn. I think that's true. <laughs> I think it, it feels yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, and you know, just imagine the power of being able to control those 70,000 thoughts in, in one direction. That's all brand new to sort of spin off what you're saying, right? Like it's when, when we're provided with that opportunity and we can do it, it's great, but you know, and that's sort of what I'm trying to tie in with the mental self-defense and the brain fitness aspect of my book is that controlling your thoughts and controlling your emotions and, and dictating the direction of everything you're doing purposely, uh, I mean, I don't think there's anything more powerful than that, right? And and that becomes intoxicating for people around you because they they feel all that what you're doing. And, you know, you're going to have all the people that hate on you for making good changes and and becoming all the things you've ever dreamed of and doing these amazing things. That's cool. They'll come around when they're ready. You know, mm-hmm. my book's going to be still published. You can have it. It takes you 20 years to get to it. It'll be there for you. Don't you worry. But at the same time, you know, there's so many other people that want to be a part of that change. Right. And, and, and they can see somebody doing it and they can feel somebody doing it, which is even more important. That's when other people, like I said, become, you know, like a positive intoxication off of something and want to be a part of it. So, well, and a lot yeah, of times it's, it's just cool. hearing it in a different voice. I mean, you can hear it from people and, and it doesn't resonate, but then you hear it from the person that you're supposed to hear it from. And they could be saying even the similar things. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Well, yeah. Dang, man, this has been awesome. I'm yeah. fired up. These are, you know, I feel like I say this every podcast, but these are some of my favorite conversations. You know, I love All talking right, cool. about this well, stuff. Well, I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. yeah, I think you should trademark brain fitness if it's not trademarked already. I'm sure. I'm sure it is. Yeah, I don't know. I got my cerebral samurai. I do a, like I do a. That's pretty dope now. too. That's pretty dope yeah, too. That's yeah, good. that's a good. Yeah, one. it's on my website. Like, um, it's one of the workshops I do and stuff like that. So I, it's pretty cool. But uh, you know what I'm going to do is after um, after this, I want to send you both a copy of my book. Dude, I would love I, that. I want you, yeah, I want you both to read it for sure. I think you, I think you'll both love it, um, and, and and all that kind of stuff. So, but uh, you know, it's you giving me this opportunity has fired me up, and just it makes me want to go take the world over even more. And yeah. uh, I, I truly appreciate uh, both of you, you know, giving me the time and the spotlight. And uh, I wish you both the most success in everything you do. I'm sure we're going to talk again. I hope maybe you have me back again in a little while and read my book. And then maybe you can come at me with all kinds oh, of crazy questions. Yeah, yeah, that sounds Something great. Like that. That'd be fun. That's a good, yeah, 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 I like that. That's a new thought for me today. That's a good one. I like that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah, that'd be cool. Cool. Yeah, yeah, well, we're, you know, we're all on the same path of helping people, I think. And so, you know, when we have a similar purpose like that there's a lot to talk about and uh, i'm excited to read your book you've got me excited for that maybe it'll actually inspire me to start working out in the morning beyond just walking my dogs you know maybe a little harder than just that there you go that'd be a powerful testimonial on amazon i'll yeah (laughs) it made me work out in the morning that's beautiful who'd have thought (laughs) yeah yeah well you know what the ratings on there are crazy like i had they're all five stars so far so that's cool perfect but I had like one dude from the States um, write that it's made him want to be a better father to his kids. Because I talk a lot about the stuff about what I went through as a kid and, yeah. and not that I'm saying my parents did a bad job. You know, there is all kinds of different complications involved in what I what you know, what I went through. And you'll read that in the book. But, you know, to for a, someone to write that. Mind, just mind blowing, you know what I mean? And that's what I love about, you know, when I hear feedback from people is every person has a different idea of what they got from that book 
And I would love to hear after you both read it, you know, what you both, because I guarantee they'll both be different. They'll, yep. both, they'll be similarities for sure, mm -hmm. but there'll be something that really resonates with you versus you or whatever. And, and you know, that gets me super pumped up. So awesome. Do you have it on Audible yet? No, I'm working on it. Yep. I'm working on it. I, for me, the, the problem is I want to read it. You know, because I got like a cool Batman voice, and uh, <laughs> and so, and you know, but I'll tell you something. And another thing I get commented all the time is people that have read my book feel like it's a conversation with me, or that they can almost like hear me reading it to them. Wow, which is a huge compliment, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So the I'm gonna that's the New Year's project. One of mine yep. uh, is right now. I'm really trying to promote the ebook and the paperback as much as I can. And then after into the new year, I'm going to either bear down and record it myself. And, 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 uh, it's hard to read out loud that much though, and not oh, yeah. screw up, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, and you can't do like, <clears throat> and then like, Oh, you know, every time you stutter or whatever, you say a word <laughs> wrong, and then you swear after you like, you got to go cut and then right back, you know? So I don't know if I'm prepared for that. That's, uh, that's you, a big you challenge. You can totally do it. Cause it's your own words. It's not like you're trying to replicate somebody else's. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But you know, there, it's, there's a, like, I, there, I, I cried a lot writing this book and I've read some of it. I've never, I've never read it as the book. Right. I've read it obviously as I was writing it and uh, I've read some stuff and it like breaks me into tears. Right. Because I, I, it makes me feel what I felt when I went through that or wrote it. And so that's the challenge for me in recording the audible is, is, you know, am yeah. I going to start to like choke up a bit, yep. you know, maybe, but maybe that's powerful. Maybe yeah, people want to hear play. that too. Right. That would play. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah, doesn't so we'll get see. realer than that. The author crying, reading his own yeah. words. Yeah. You yeah, know, for like, sure. I think he meant, he meant for me to feel sad too, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. 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 No, well, sadness awesome. is a powerful thing. Yeah. So cool, Jason. Well, hey, man, I think in closing, I just wanted to kind of offer where where could our audience find you maybe on social media or find your find your book? Like where are they, where are they selling it at? And we definitely want to take you up on, on reading the book and talking about it on the next pod. That'd be beautiful. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, Instagram, it's Jason Tyler McLean. Gotcha. Uh, so pretty, pretty easy. Uh, the book is available on Amazon. Perfect. So it's available on 11 different Amazon uh, markets. So you, uh, .com for American, .ca for Canadian, and then it's available France, Italy, Brazil, Mexico, Japan, all over the place like that, all through the UK. I've sold books already all over the world, which is really cool. Nice, man. Congrats. Um, and that. Uh, so uh, Facebook, same thing, Jason McLean. Um, but Instagram, for sure, Jason Tyler McLean. I use utilize that one a little bit more for book promotion stuff and that. And then my website is uh, jasontylermcclain.com. So you can go on there and there's direct links on my book through my bio. And then and you can connect with me through my social media platforms it's all there, as well as some of the stuff that I'm offering by webinars uh, and then on-site or live stuff as well awesome. that I'm doing. So that's, uh, that's the best place to find me. Dude, kick ass. Yeah. Well, it'll yeah, all be you. in there for, uh, for our audience. And I'm, Cool. Don't be surprised really if they it. come finding uh, finding you and knocking on your oh. internet doors. <laughs> oh, hey, that'd be great. I appreciate it. Awesome. And the same thing goes like when uh, when I can put this on my media page and do my other stuff, like uh, I'll definitely direct as much traffic to what you're doing as well. And 
you know, it reciprocates, right? So yeah. I really appreciate it. Awesome. We do too. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, hey, dude, enjoy the rest of your freezing cold day. And <laughs> Thank you. It's already, it's already dark here. It got dark here at four o'clock. Oh, Dang. wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. All right. We're well, going to go uh, out to, what is it? Oh, 64 degrees. We're getting ready to go out, get a little sunshine. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we got fun. plenty of sharks out here. So, you know, if you need the sunshine and the sharks, we got that all going yeah. on out here. I you know, can, uh... I know, I know. I should move there one of these days. Yeah. Well, at the very yeah, least, absolutely. if you came out here, you could come uh, speak with our clients. I think they would love to oh, have love a, to. Um, you know, a webinar. Well, I guess it would be live, so it wouldn't be a webinar. That would be um, cool. Yeah. But we'd, we'd love to have you out anytime you want to come check it out. Oh, cool. That's so cool. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Thank you for coming on. We appreciate hey, you. Cool. Awesome. Enjoy it, guys. Thanks so much. All, All right. right, brother. Enjoy your day, man. Take, take, yeah, thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, guys. That's our show for today. We hope you found some value from listening. And if you did, please share with someone you know or love. You can find us on social media. We are at Elevate Addiction Services. And if you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, please call our toll-free confidential 24-hour helpline at 833-33-SOBER or visit our website.